Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? All right, well, welcome you guys here and also all those who have joined us online today for the wrap-up of our Stranger Things series. If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Judges chapter 1 this morning. Judges chapter 1. Well, I was in Nashville a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the things I like to do when I'm traveling is I have a national YMCA membership, so I go work out at other gyms. And this one in Nashville was really nice, but one thing about Nashville, again, Tennessee is a little different than here. It was very overtly Christian, like very overt scriptures everywhere and all that. And as I was doing some deadlifting, I looked up above me, and on the wall, the scripture said, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I saw that. And if you've been coming to Thrive, you know my rub with how we use that verse. Because what I imagined is somebody getting there, they're going to, no, I can do it. I can do 450 and just locking it out and just, oh, through Christ, I can do anything that I want to do. Now, there's a problem, number one, is that that's not what that verse means. That verse means, and Paul was saying, that whether he had a lot or had little, whether he deadlifted 450 or not, he was content that Christ could give him the gift of contentment in any situation he was in. However, what we've turned it into, we call it isogetical. We take one scripture and we turn it into, if God is with me, I can do anything I want to do and everything I want to do, and I will be successful in everything. You guys remember the Tim Tebow phenomena, right? He had Philippians 4.13 over here. He didn't make it as a quarterback. <laughs> he couldn't do all things through Christ who strengthens him. What he should have had that verse on, on there is that I can be content being an NFL quarterback or being a commentator. I'm going somewhere with this. This is very important. In Philippians 4.13 on the gym, on your coffee mug, as you're facing the day you look at it, you're drinking that nice black golden oil, I call it, to fuel your body, fuel your mind. And you're looking at it saying, I can go to this job I hate. I can do anything I want to do through Christ who gives me the strength. Sounds good. But it's taken out of context, number one. And number two, what I want to talk about today is something that I think is detrimental to growing in your faith. Uh, see, being in pastoral ministry as many years as I have now, I've been able to see people who, who begin to follow Jesus and walk away from Jesus. I get to hear stories of why people walked away from their faith. I get to experience that part of it. And one of the reasons is what I want to talk about today, because we have a misunderstanding of what success is in Scripture and what it means for God to be with us in all things that, that we're going through. And it's, it's very clear in Judges 119, in this strange verse in the Bible that we're going to look at today, of how this played out in Israel's life. So Israel, right now, Joshua's gone, the leader's dead. You know, Moses has been gone, now Joshua's gone. Instead of God raising up another leader, it's the time of Judges. Now, it did, this doesn't mean that they had black robes on and they you know, hit a gavel all day you know, calling cases in court. That's not what the judges were. If you could, like, think of a good word for the judges, they were like super leaders. Like Samson, superheroes, people that were just amazing leaders that God would rotate through. And they were going through helping Israel in their military conquest of the land that God had promised them through Joshua and Moses. So 340 years this season of Judges lasts. And in Judges chapter 1, Israel has been mopping the floor with their opponents. They've been on a streak, a win streak, but they hit a snag. 
And one of the scriptures that we're going to look at today is one of the most misunderstood and most confused scriptures, especially among those who are agnostic or atheist. And it says this in Judges 1.19. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country. That's a good thing, right? But they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. If you have different versions of this, some versions will say, but God failed to drive them out. And so anybody who's a skeptic would say, well, can't God do anything he wants to do? Isn't he all-powerful? Why couldn't he drive them out? But when you look at the, the Hebrew breakdown of that, the word God is not in the second part. That's why the New Living Translation translates that so well. But they, who's they? Judah, failed to drive them out. So whether you want to, your version says God, or whether it says they or Judah, whatever, here's the problem with that. What this verse says is this, God was with Judah, and they could not defeat another army because the army had superior military technology. But if God was with them, does the military technology matter? Does it matter that these people of the lowlands, the bad guys, had this, these iron chariots? Because in that day and time, only Egypt had iron chariots. I mean, in our, in our day, it'd be like a, a stealth bomber or like a, a, like a nuclear tank, something crazy. But these guys got that technology, and Israel could not defeat them. But the previous, previous verse says God was with them. See, and our equation is this. If God is with you, shouldn't you have success in those situations? Shouldn't you always win against the bad guys? And that's why I brought in Philippians 4.13, because the westernized mindset of Americanized Christianity is everything in Christianity should be up and to the right. Life will always get better, and we will get a fairy tale ending because we follow Jesus. And if you've lived in any amount of time, you can attest that that's not the truth. What does it mean for God to be with you then? What does that really mean? What is the true version of biblical success? And I want you to take this away from today's passage, is this. Just because God is with you does not mean you're always successful. Welcome to Thrive Church. I'm glad just to ran on your parade today. But I want to break this down. Just because God is with me and God is with you through Christ doesn't mean that you're always going to experience success. And the reason that we don't understand this, and, and some of you are like, man, what does this even mean then? Because like, well, 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 I thought God would make me successful, and, and I can do all things through Christ, and no weapon formed against me shall prosper, and all that. And I, so what is this? The problem is we have a warped view of two things primarily in America when it comes to the Bible. The warped view of biblical wealth, number one. We think wealth is the, the money you have. Remember lifestyles of the rich and famous? Some of you guys are old enough to remember that? And so we view these celebrities as being rich. What God views as rich is not what we view as rich. God looks at the person who's struggling or the person in a third world country who's generous with their wealth. He says, they're rich. Then he looks at the celebrities who are spending everything on themselves and they're still depressed. He says, they're poor. But our view is the more, more money, the more success. Well, to quote a famous prophet, more money, more problems. <laughs> see, see, even in that, our view is warped. You're not rich if you're not generous with your finances. 
That's what God says. But we think, no, 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 being rich is how much my paycheck is. The same thing with success. We think success is always winning, always getting the outcome that we want, always getting our prayers answered according to the agenda that we lay on the table for God. And that is the reason so many people end up walking away from their faith, because they don't understand the biblical view of success and what God views as successful and what we view as successful. And probably the most biblically successful person ever was the Apostle Paul, like according to Scripture. But what was leveraged against him in the first century was this Greco-Roman and this, this Greek gods, this view of that if bad things happen to you, it's because you deserved it. That's karma. And karma's not any part of Christianity because you can't have grace and karma, right? And so what they would say about Paul was this. These Judaizers would come into the churches that Paul planted because they, they wanted to try to get Gentiles to adopt Jewish customs and Jewish religious laws. And they would come in and say, if Paul was really an apostle, if God was really with Paul, if he was God's man, why is he going through all these hardships? And the apostle Paul had to fight against that mentality that was being used against him, worldly success versus biblical success. I mean, Paul gives you in 2 Corinthians and I love this here, chapter 11. He gives you kind of a synopsis of some things that he faced. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. That's the same uh, things, the cat of nine tails, that Jesus also got beat with too. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times, I mean, he's not counting or anything, right? <laughs> I was shipwrecked. I spent a night in the day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. Do you, you get the, the, the point here? In danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. The Apostle Paul, that was like his ministry resume. That's what his life was. It wasn't going from revival to revival. The Apostle Paul didn't have a jet. Like, you know, I saw some guy the other day, somebody was so excited that a pastor got a jet, that God's with him, so he's got a jet. See, we, we, we're sick. We view success with golden watches and really nice cars. Paul had the exact opposite. So he went from failure to failure according to what people viewed as failure. He went from disappointment to disappointment as we view disappointment. But Paul knew something we didn't know. He knew what biblical success was. And that's what I want to share with you today. Because I, my fear is we don't understand biblical success. We don't understand what being successful really is. And this helped me out. When, when I planted my first church, I was warped with what success is. I had a conversation with someone outside about the value of our online campus, that we value our online campus. It's not just a streaming service. It's a campus. And the thing is, a lot of pastors rail against online campus. You know why? Because they get their approval from how many are in the building saying amen. Because they think that's success. And we go around saying, whoever's got the most people, they're the best leader. I know pastors that pastor 50 people, and they are some of the most faithful 
and some of the best leaders I've ever seen in my life, and they will never be on a magazine, and they will never be on TV. But it's this warped view. And when I was in Florida, can I tell you, when I launched my first church, I was young, I was naive, and what I viewed as success was everything up and to the right. And what I experienced after we launched was not that. I didn't realize what I'd gotten into in ministry, which I love what I do. I didn't know then what it was, and I thought I was failing. I felt depressed, I felt discouraged, and I wanted to give up and quit, just quit ministry altogether. And when the Lord moved us here to Virginia, we came from, a, the church plant did do well, and things did, did, did do well there. We came to a church that was smaller than that church. It was 20 people in this building. I mean, can you imagine that? I could have shot a shotgun, a bazooka four ways, not hit anybody. But what helped me mentally was something that someone said to me, and they taught me what success is. And it changed my whole view of what success really is. And that's what I want to help you with, because here's my fear. If we get this confused, we're going to equate, uh, we'll equate God's presence in us with what happens around us. Say it one more time. If we get this whole thing about uh, success confused, you're going to equate God's presence in you with what's happening around you. If that would have been your story or my story in 2 Corinthians 11, we've been asking, why me, oh God? Are you really for me? Look at all that I've been through. What are you doing? We would have been angry at God. The Apostle Paul didn't do that. He knew something that so many of us don't know. We don't understand what true biblical success is. And my fear is some of you may walk away from your faith because you feel like God didn't come through because you think success is God was with Judah and they drove out the superior army. There's sometimes that'll happen for you. There's sometimes it won't. You know, I see people all the time post online, if he shut the mouths of lions for Daniel, he can do it for me. Yeah, he can, but we also read in Hebrews that there were believers he didn't shut the mouths of lions for and their whole families were eaten. Was God with them? Did God forsake them? No, and none of us would say that. But we have to understand what it means to truly be a Christ follower. And I want you to really copy and paste this into your terminology. I want you to do this here. And here's what we have to do. We have to pursue a servant's heart instead of a seemingly successful life. If you're a follower of Jesus, your pursuit is not success up and to the right. It's pursuing a servant's heart no matter what. See, surrendering to the Lord Jesus does not mean I just attend church. It doesn't mean I think the Bible's cool and I believe in that God. He died on the cross. Being a follower of Jesus means surrendering your whole life to the Lord. Now that takes, it happens more and more over time, but it's saying I will serve you no matter what the situation is, just like Pastor Keith said earlier with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's having glad obedience in the things that are going down and to the left. It's pursuing a servant's heart over this worldly, Americanized view of what success really is in our world. And that's what's messing us up so many times. If you think about Jesus himself, he, he did this for the disciples. In the first century, the Greco-Roman Empire was all about the kings had prominence. Everybody deferred to them. They got all the special treatment that leaders didn't stoop down. Leaders had a certain thing, there's certain things they just didn't do. And the disciples all walk in, and they sit down with Jesus, and he pulls out water and towels to wash their feet. Now, to us, it would just be stinky sock feet, which is gross, right? 
Uh, I'm not a feet fan. But their feet were different. They walked with sandals on with dung and dirt all over them, dried to their feet. And they've walked miles. And they come in there and Jesus goes to do it. And Peter says, no, 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 you're not, you're not going to do that. Successful people don't do that. Leaders don't do that in our culture. And Jesus says, no, 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 you, you have missed it. The kingdom is a different culture than the world. And he says, the rulers of our age, of the first century Greco-Roman Empire, they lord it over everybody. And he makes us say, he says, not so with you. And Jesus modeled for them what no other leader had ever modeled, they'd ever seen before, was him washing their feet. And that's what we have to do when it comes to serving the Lord, is saying, I will serve you, I will do the thing. If it's dirty and it's nasty and I don't like it, you know what? I love you, Jesus, and I am going to do it because I love you because I'm your servant, Jesus. And that's what I want you to understand. That's what true success really is. It's having a servant's heart. And to do this, here's what Hugh and I have to do, and this is very important, and this is something that's going to be hard to do. And it's this. I want you to write this down. True success is being obedient no matter the outcome. That's true success. Whether God saves you from the lions like Daniel or you get eaten. And some of us think because we didn't get the promotion, things didn't go our way, that God wasn't really with us. He was with Judah, and they didn't drive out the people of the plains. See, in life, let me tell you this, you can't control the outputs. You can't control the results, guys. But here's what you can control, your input, and it's being faithful. It's Philippians 4.13, learning to be content whether you get it, the promotion, or you don't get it. Whether you have the job of your dreams or you get laid off, that you're able to remain steady and faithful serving Jesus no matter, that's success. I mean, I told you when I came here that I had a different mindset. Let me tell you why I had that mindset. When I was at my church plant, I was depressed, discouraged, because I thought it should have been, I thought up and to the right was success. I was competing, trying to hopefully other pastors would see my numbers and think that I was actually successful, and I felt like a failure. And when I came here, I had a mentor tell me, I said, man, this feels like a suicide mission. 20 people, and they got three months to make it? Like, really? Are we, are we moving from South Florida here for, to be here six months and then leave? And I'll never forget what my mentor said to me. He said, you can't fail if you're being obedient. Let that sink in for a second. What he was saying to me was this, no matter what happens, if the Lord calls you to be obedient, be obedient. And when I came here, guys, I learned the true meaning of Philippians 4.13. That this time 10 years ago was my first weekend at this church. I remember walking here, I could, just like yesterday. We still have a few of the, the guys who are originally part of that team. I remember getting the report in, we had 21 people on that weekend in church. And I was happy and I was content because I began to flip the script to understand, you know what? I can be content no matter what. And I did that for years until COVID hit. And here's what the Lord told me during COVID. I was discouraged. I didn't know what was going to happen with the church. Nobody knew, right? Churches had never been shut down for that long. 
anxiety was creeping up. I mean, I just went through a, a lot of stuff. And then when we reopened, everybody, thought, all pastors thought you'd be up and to the right again. Because that's what my whole ministry had been here at Thrive, up and to the right, up and to the right. Up. It was just like, man, this is great. It's like the roller coaster just keeps going up. And when we got, got back into it, it was shaky, man. It's like, I mean, it just, we, we couldn't get a grasp. And the Lord told me, he said, Kevin, I'm going to teach you something. You've been faithful while it's always been fruitful. But I'm going to teach you faithfulness when you're not seeing results and up to the right. Because guys, I'm a results-oriented leader. I don't, I don't work out. I train in the gym. I want to see results. I want to see those weights going up. I track it. I want to see my diet. I am results are my finances. Everything I do is results-oriented. My son's peewee league won the championship yesterday, undefeated. I want to see, right? That's good and bad. I'm glad you're a part of that, but that, is a, that can be a double-edged sword, and it was to me. Because I got discouraged, and I started facing depression once again. And God said, you know what? I'm going to teach you how to be faithful when you don't see results. I'm going to teach you to continue to put inputs in when you're not getting outputs. And I'm going to teach you how to be content without the results. And that's what happened to me. And that's what I want to happen to you guys. I want you to understand what success really is. I don't know what you're facing God may just miraculously open that door. He may bring, he may heal the body, and he can do that. He may financially deliver you from something. God can do that. But if that's our only, if, if we're only monolithic in our view of what God can do through faith, then we're going to be disappointed, discouraged, and depressed, and feel let down. Because we're going to attach God to outcomes God never agreed to. God agrees to be with you through it all, not always to get you out of it. He agrees to conform you to the image of his son during trials. Not to always escape you from the trial. And that's what success is. If you're faithful during the trial and you're leaning into Jesus and you, you're being honest with him and it hurts and you're going through it, you are successful no matter what the circumstances look like around you. God can be with you and you can also not drive out the people of the plains. And that will happen at times. And I want to encourage you that the people who are strongest in their faith, if you see people who uh, have gray hair or no hair like me, right? <laughs> Those are the people that have been following Jesus a long time. They can walk you through many disappointments and many times that prayers weren't answered, things went south, but they learned what true biblical success is. It's being faithful with a servant's heart, no matter what we're seeing around us. I want to pray for you for that today. Father, there's no telling what we'll face this year or upcoming years. I do pray, Lord, that we continue to have hope. But God, our hope would not be that you do what we want us to, to do, that you will always answer our prayers according to the way we understand it. But God, my prayer is that we would be faithful servants to you, the one who ransomed your son, who sent your son as a sacrifice for us who gave up your best for us. And so, Father, I pray that right now. Change our view of what success really is to match your view of success. And God, may we be content and be leaned into you even when things are not going the way that we planned them. Because, God, we do know this. No matter the circumstances, you are faithful to us. And you will be with us in seemingly successful situations, in situations that seem like failures. 
you're going to be with us and you're going to work in our hearts and you're going to move and you're going to conform us and shape us to the image of your dear son so the world can have his reflection to them. So, Lord, we trust you with that. And I pray for every person in here, Lord, that you would help them. And for those who maybe walked away from their faith that didn't understand this, that today you would mend their hearts, today you would renew their faith once again. And as we're in here today praying, church, and for those online who are praying with us, maybe you walked away from your faith and you want to come back and begin to serve Jesus once again, or maybe you've never given your life to Christ, you've never surrendered to Him, you've come to church, you've been at arm's distance, but you want to make a public profession of faith, you want to say, I want to serve Jesus, I want to follow Jesus. If that's you right where you're sitting, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith, and here it is. You say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I can't save myself with any good works. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And today, I make Jesus my Lord. Forgive me of all my sins, God. I turn away from my old life. I repent of that life. I receive brand new life in you. Help me to serve you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen.